You're listening to The Loyalty Minute, the show that helps you build better customer loyalty and more valuable user engagement with your host, Rob Gallo. Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of The Loyalty Minute. I'm your host, Rob Gallo, and today I'm eager and excited to chat with Richard Jones, the CMO of Cheetah Digital. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thanks for joining me. Not a problem, Rob. Too good to be here. So for those loyal listeners out there who don't know who you are, perhaps you could share a bit of a story in your background? Yeah, sure. So um, I uh, um, came to be the, the, the CMO of, of Cheetah Digital um, through uh, a uh, essentially a startup story. So I uh, co-founded a company called Engage Sciences out of the, the UK um, uh, just over a, a, a decade ago. Um, and essentially that uh, was a uh, software as a service platform for marketers to be able to create a range of different interactive experiences uh, that engage consumers and collect data. So think of things like quizzes and sweepstakes and instant wins and challenges and scavenger hunts and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually uh, ended up uh, merging with another company based in the US called Weigh-In. And then I was the CEO of Weigh-In and then I sold uh, way in to Cheetah uh, in the summer uh, and uh, integrated the companies and uh, took over the role of CMO. So, and what does Cheetah Digital do? What's their core functionality? So Cheetah Digital is actually the world's largest um, uh, uh, SaaS-based uh, uh, marketing software company. So um, they're about, uh, you know, several hundred million dollars in revenue. I've got uh, uh, offices in uh, 14 different countries um, and have been going for about 20 years. And essentially they have uh, a a few different products, but the whole focus of the company is to put in a platform to help marketers uh, basically uh, succeed in a world that's driven by first party data. So they have a a loyalty platform, which is a Forrester uh, uh, leader. Uh, They have a uh, messaging platform. Uh, They have a, customer data uh, platform, and then they have Cheetah Experiences, which was the, the technology that, uh, that uh, I founded. Uh, all in all, it essentially is designed to enable uh, a marketer to go out there uh, to uh, turn the unknown audience into known through experiences that collect data and marketing opt-ins, uh, to be able to uh, pull all the data that you have around consumers across different channels into your you know, customer data platform, uh, to personalize marketing based off what you know about consumers through all this pooled first-party data from POS systems and websites and databases and stuff, and then a loyalty framework to really sort of tie that uh, consumer into a long-term relationship with the brand. Wow, good stuff. All right, so we're definitely going to dovetail back into that, but for right now, I start off each episode asking the simple question, and that is, what does loyalty mean to you, Richard Jones, as a consumer? And the preface that question we like to answer in the form of a, a story, if possible, something that people can kind of gravitate to and, and have some tangibility to a story of why you're loyal to a particular brand. And then yes. not as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll, I'll touch on a couple of, a couple of different things. So, you know, for me, um, you know, loyalty is really a, a long-term relationship that I have as a consumer with a brand uh, that is really um, defined by a value exchange, uh, essentially for me. You know, in return for my loyalty. Um, and I, I'll give you a, f- a few different examples of different um, 
companies that I'm that I'm loyal to and one that I'm uh, used to be and, and are not anymore. <laughs> so I'll give you a very, very simple one. And so for uh, probably the easiest uh, return on investment ever, I am uh, have been loyal now to um, uh, HSBC Bank for over, um, oh goodness knows how long now, um, 25, 26, 27 uh, years or so. And it's because um, going back into the day when I was uh, about to be a student and looking for a student account, uh, HSBC offered me a free CD, <laughs> which is <laughs> telling of my age, <laughs> probably. And for the uh, cost of a CD, they have a, uh, essentially 25, uh, 26, 27 years of banking. So that is a very, very simple uh, 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 loyalty, but at very high switching costs. And so very simple uh, acquisition tactic. But I'll give, you, I'll give you a couple of others. So um, there's a, 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 a jeans brand that I have essentially been utterly loyal to for about 15 years now, which is a Swedish brand called Nudie Jeans. Um, and it's, uh, you know, one, it, it's a great product. There's no question about that. Um, I love the product. But really, what, what makes me loyal? And when I say makes me loyal, what makes me loyal to the point that I will buy direct from that brand versus necessarily sweeping the e-commerce world and Amazon and the rest of it to find the cheapest deals on their, on their products? I just won't do that. And the reason why I won't do that is because of the experience I get shopping direct from nudie jeans. I mean, it's everything from the way that they're able to make the shopping experience enjoyable uh, by surfacing up their the content around the new products on their website. It's a it's a really nicely polished um, uh, uh, experience online, uh, through to the kind of wrapping that you get um, when they actually send you uh, the jeans. You know, fine, I can get things quicker through Amazon, but just you know, just the quality of how the product is presented. Um, again and again has me, you know, coming back. I just wouldn't dream of, I'd feel, to be honest, I'd feel dirty buying it through Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Put it that way. So that's, that's really around this personal brand experience. And I'll give you an example of, of somebody that I'm not loyal to, uh, loyal to, but I used to be very, very loyal to, which I think highlights the problem with rigid, rigid sort of statuses and tiers and the sort of psychological way that one reacts to them when you lose that status. So. For you know, a number of years, I was flying around the world, um, you know, as a, working for a variety of different uh, SaaS companies, um, and we got to you know top tier status um, uh, with British Airways, and was getting all of the perks that came along with their loyalty program. Was very happy. Then I went and did a startup, and anybody that knows, you know, being a reasonably successful executive that goes to be a startup, you don't do it for money. You know, it, it actually collapses your your finances very very quickly as you end up working for nothing for years and you know paying all your staff other than you um, and you know going through the trials and tribulations of of actually truly living with uh, that that the realities of startup world and of course when I was travelling I would be travelling you know um, you know if I couldn't swim and I couldn't walk um, or cycle you know you'd be taking the very lowest cost airline that you possibly could and what was very interesting is I kind of felt hurt by the fact that because I'd taken this leap and you know I had a few couple of years out of the mainstream corporate flying you know spending the kind of money on the tickets that I was before that I'd lost my status in uh, with British Airways and it was going to take me a long time 
and uh, to actually get back up. And it was because of that that I, all, I didn't stick with British Airways. I just I couldn't get over the fact it was going to take me so long to get back and actually started experiencing uh, other uh, loyalty programs with other airlines because I was starting from, uh, from, from scratch again. Um, and then the, the last one I'd say, which is, 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 is more around where convenience and loyalty um, kind of map, and that's, that's Starbucks. So, you know, I wasn't a big coffee drinker before I... Uh, moved out um, uh, to the to the US uh, three years ago. Has certainly become one now, and the convenience that I have with the Starbucks app to be able to, you know, choose the the products I want, have them, have them ready to pick up when I'm ready, and then the incentives that they use to basically ensure that I'm you know doing what I need to do to get to uh, to, to 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 free products etc. But the the convenience and, and the the offers are really what keeps me coming back time and time to again to, to Starbucks. So do you think the gamification has anything to do with it though? Like you, you mentioned, you know, it's kind of in the back of your mind, you could get a free latte or whatever it is that you drink next time you go. Do, do you think about that stuff? Yeah, I, I do, but I think it's different. The gamification element is different for different brands for me. So, you know, if I, if I move into things like um, the um, uh, kind of wellness space, and you know, thinking of what I do with running, you know, um, Strava is a is a great app for basically um, you know allowing you to uh, to have your in many ways have your own fitness gamified. You know, can mm -hmm. I beat this challenge? Can I get to this level? The community of people that it connects me to, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, I think gamification is more important when it comes to Strava than it is for Starbucks. Although I don't turn my nose up at it at Starbucks, I still, you know, like it. It's still something more than, uh, you know, just the, the sort of basic uh, flavor of loyalty programs. Hmm. Well, the reason I asked too is that it, what's become all the rage now is, well, not all the rage, it's, it's been around for a while, is the shopping mall model where you could shop at a thousand different stores, earn the rewards that you could exclusively use, let's say at Starbucks, if they had this program. Airlines have been doing it for years. Banks do it. Uh, casinos are doing it. So I was just curious if, would something like that motivate you as a consumer to say, I'm going to shop at these stores that I'm going to exclusively earn rewards that I could burn off, let's say at Starbucks? Yeah, absolutely. No, no question about that. I think the, the uh, providing, and I would say, it's not the fact that I can earn rewards. I think the thing that's more important when looking at kind of that kind of aggregated form of, of loyalty that you can then use uh, in a specific uh, uh, place is really just making sure that it's worth my while to do that. And actually the ability to um, usefully collect rewards or some level of value exchange uh, is more important to me. So that flexibility of the tiering um, is, is probably the most important thing that will actually govern my behavior. Hmm. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, it, it, it definitely depends on what your end game is, you know. Yes. You go yeah. there often enough, though, you're thinking, all right, well, if I'm going to buy something from Home Depot anyway, and they're going to reward me for it, for, and then I could burn them off at Starbucks, why wouldn't I, right? Just things like that. So uh, prior to the clicking the record button, we talked about uh, question number two, which is, uh, as a consumer, the brands that you're loyal to and why, I think you just elaborated on those, and then the ones that you weren't. And, and as well, so why? And that's fine. Um, but let me ask you this: as a marketing professional in your field, can you share the pain points that it ha that you have when it comes to creating and maintaining customer loyalty? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and obviously, you know, I'll answer this with respect to my own experience as a, as a, as a marketer versus what I'm doing as part of Cheetah Digital to help other marketers with their B2C consumer programs. But of course, Cheetah Digital is a B2B software as a service business. So for me as a, a marketer trying to engender um, loyalty to, um, uh, you know, across our customers, it, the, the the issue with software as a service is it is it you know it is the service it's you know it's not like you just buy the product you you pay a whole load of license fees and then you know you, you, you you're off you have to keep um loyalty going in order for the service to keep going it's a subscription service so you know it's how do we engender loyalty uh and what does loyalty mean in the context of a B2B subscription service. And I think the interesting thing about software as a service is it's it's taken as read that, you know, for somebody to keep paying you year on year, your services have, have to be good. So obviously the vast majority of um, all of the company's efforts are around making sure that the products and the services that we deliver uh, deliver value for our customers. Otherwise, there is no business. There is no uh, ongoing subscription. But I think it's the nuance of loyalty from a marketing perspective that I'm interested in because it, it's you know it's taken as read we need people to subscribe, so we need their customer loyalty. Repeat uh, subscriptions year on year. But as a marketer, what I want is not just their loyalty. I also want their advocacy because it's advocacy that helps me actually tell stories customer stories that actually bring more people in have more customers and more subscribers and so that's the big difference for, for me and i think when you look at business to business um we're you know we're very focused on 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 you know trying to serve our customers well but we're not very good well uh, very well focused on helping our customers be good advocates and one of the biggest reasons for that, I believe, is that it is it tends to be very one-dimensional. It's oh, can you fill out this case study for us? And you know, the marketer at the customer side is like, well, what's in it for me? You know, I mm -hmm. fill out a customer case study. It takes me ages, and I have to go through legal and the rest of it. There's no payback. Whereas actually, the reality is, we do need to provide that value exchange for our customers to be able to tell their stories. And the way that you do that is giving them a platform so that their brand, both the company they work for as well as their own personal brand, has a platform to shine. And I think that's the that's one of the big things that we've been looking to, to do from a marketing perspective. And that's why we've got our Thinking Caps uh, podcast uh, going and that we're putting real material dollars in and around when customers tell us good stories. Um, to amplify that, you know, to, to support their, uh, their brand uh, and, their, and their own personal brand. Mm, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's great. Because I think of two companies, well, one's not really a SaaS, the other one is Intuit with Turbo, uh, QuickBooks Online. I've been using it for, for years in all my businesses. It's the easiest, most intuitive thing, no pun intended maybe, Intuit, uh, but it's intuitive in its in its usability, and I'm no accountant by any stretch, but I could put enough in there that my accountant, when she looks at it at the end of the year, she says, okay, we might have to do a couple little adjustments, but it manages everything for me, invoicing, everything. And the key is, and the reason that I do talk about them is I can get them actually on the telephone, which right. I think a multi-billion dollar company, you can't get anybody on the phone. That's another reason I'm an Apple advocate because, you know, again, almost a trillion dollar company, I can get someone on the phone that can speak to me in my language and understand what I'm explaining 
read between the lines and answer the questions. So uh, if there was a way that they could incentivize me to become an advocate outside of my podcast, of course, but just in terms of what you were mentioning, Richard, about just being able to com complete that loop and find value in it for me, that would be a home run. So sure. when, when you come up with one, let me know. <laughs> I, I like that idea a lot. You know, it kind of gets them involved too. You know, yeah. I'm working with another group in one of my other businesses right now, and we're actually strategizing together collaboratively on the plan. That's so we have a B to B to C platform. So we built a platform that we license to companies, and then they in turn let it out to their end users. And we help them do that, and we're engaged in the dialogue with them now on how to correspond with their end users and what it should say and what it should look like and feel like from their own perspective. And I think that's spot on, where if you, if you can get them to talk about it, it's, it's all the better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so from an internal standpoint, I know you've worked with tons of organizations uh, and you're working on some innovation right now, but I found this personally, just from my own experiences, is that people are stuck in their ways, right? In, in a lot of companies. You know, I say a lot of times my biggest competitor is status quo. And some guy said, who's status quo? I've never heard of that company before. <laughs> I said, it just means that people are so entrenched in what they're doing. The lack of innovation drives me up a wall, you know, because especially in the SaaS business, you're, you, you need to be developing that on a regular basis and improving it constantly, gauging the results and tweaking it so your customers are continually satisfied. So my, I guess my question is, as a B2B marketer, what, what do you think is the biggest thing that holds people back from taking the leap? In, in terms of taking the leap of, 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 being, of being loyal as a customer? Not being loyal as a customer, but to create that loyalty that they need to as a company. Meaning, you know, people that come to Cheetah Digital or your previous companies that you would have in your prospect list that say, no, I'm not really thinking about that or I, I, I can't take that project on. So they, they may come up with excuses, but I guess what I'm just trying to find out is how does that affect your business in, cre you know, in getting them over the hump? Do you, do you have any special secret sauce? Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me, um, the secret sauce of any kind of loyalty program um, comes down to, and this is B2B, B2C, it really doesn't matter. It comes down to how well you know that customer, right? That, that really what it comes down to. If you know that customer inside out and you are able to um, meet their goals and their expectations because you understand what they are, you're going to be successful. One of the biggest problems that we have in today's society, though, is being able to capture that information, to really know uh, our customers in a um, very deep way in order for us to best serve them and surprise and delight them and give them a loyalty program that's personalized and meaningful to them. Um, that's, that can be difficult because we've, we've entered this new era of privacy, um, which is, is meaning that it's, you know, it's not as easy as it used to be to really understand what a customer wants, um, you know, before you've really got that uh, deeper relationship uh, with them. And so, you know, I kind of, you know, talk, look at, think about things like the privacy issues. 
as a bit like a real life you know scenario so for example if you had some new neighbors move into your street right and you wanted to get to know them you know you what you wouldn't do is go right we need to get to know them um so before we 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 introduce ourselves let's put a, a tracking bug under their car to find out where they go and put you know spy cameras in through their windows to spend a couple of weeks observing them so we know who they are before we go around and you know try to introduce themselves and you know that in many ways is a, a, you know an analogy of really what marketers have been doing for years they've been spying on consumers without their permission and dropping tracking cookies everywhere and then try you know personalizing uh, their, their 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 messages their products their services their, their loyalty program uh, to them and i think what we've seen over the last few uh, a couple of years is this massive reaction against that 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 the, 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 the fact that the lack of manners on digital the marketers have and this whole kind of concept now of privacy is like you only should know about me because of what you've asked me and what I've explicitly told you in order for you to be able to personalize your products and services to me and I think loyalty programs have a lot to learn in that manner and they need to fully embrace what Forrester calls zero party data and that is get being able to go out there as part of your loyalty program and ask customers about their motivations their desires their interests their preferences in order to best personalize your uh, messaging your products and your services to them and, and re rely less on kind of snooping on them and third-party tracking cookies yes there's obviously things you can pull from purchase history and the rest of it but you need to be broader than that and you need to augment the data that you have around consumers to really get to know them and getting to know them through a pos system is it's fairly impersonal um, and so zero party data is something that we we definitely look to as part of the future for loyalty um, and you can read up lots about it on the cheetah digital website you know, it's funny you say, as you were talking about that, Richard, I, I saw something the other day about a new web browser that is going to be paying you in a cryptocurrency. Bat, have you heard of this? Yes, yeah. yes, I have. Yes, yeah. Your yeah. attention. They're going to be yes. paying you for your attention to look at ads that might interest you. And then I guess you can choose on or you know, click on or off whether you want to see more ads of this nature or whatever. It's It's just incredible. But I think it goes back to what you said initially at the top of the show, and that was the exchange of value. What is someone willing to give as a consumer in order to not feel creeped out that they know everything about you, that they're peeking in your windows? Because right. it's funny you said that too. When we moved into this place a couple of years ago, I got a phone call out of the blue, a welcome phone call. Hey, we want to welcome to the neighborhood. I'm like, who the hell is this? <laughs> you know what right. I mean? First of all, you called me on my private phone and, oh, it's part of the introduction. I said, who gave you my number? But you know, they, they were trying to be nice, but it just seemed like I get Too a million much. phone calls a day as it is, right? So it was, it was just kind of bizarre and I, I took offense to it, honestly, because well, it wasn't something I opted into. No, exactly. And we, we've, we've literally just sponsored some research with e-consultancy that was a six market um, uh, uh, initiative, um, so a global study all data collected in February and March, which is obviously in the shadow of, of the COVID-19 crisis. Um, and actually what's really interesting when you look at kind of personalization, on average, roughly in the markets like the US, UK, et cetera, it's sort of 40% plus of all consumers are turned off by personalized ads. Yet they're willing and quite happy to share data direct to a brand if they're asked 
in return for better services, uh, better, better personalization. So I think marketers are spending 90% of their budgets on personalized ads in Facebook and Google actually against the wishes of consumers, mm -hmm. um, which is fascinating. And we're going to see how this plays out in ad tech and MarTech over the coming years. But I think anyone uh, looking at the world the way I do is going to see that loyalty is going to play an increasing part of how brands navigate this new world of privacy and the relationship they need to have with consumers. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, um, especially as you mentioned now, we're in the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And we, we talked about that um, on some of the previous podcasts. We haven't really even touched on it now. Is there anything that, um, that the companies that you're working with are doing that you think is outstanding during this time that is worth a mention? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a number of companies that are doing some really cool stuff. Like one of our uh, customers, and Pizza, which uh, obviously anyone in in the restaurant space um, is hit especially hard now with, the, with everything closing. Yet they've still managed to run a charity program called um, uh, Pies for Heroes, which is basically where they take donations and then they uh, ship the pies to healthcare workers on the front line, uh, giving them, you know, hot meals at lunch and when they're leaving at the end of the uh, uh, very hard day, uh, you know, working in ICU wards, et cetera, which is a fantastic uh, initiative. And we were, we were happy to, to donate to that. And we're now basically um, shifted all of our events budgets because, you know, because of social distancing uh, through to supporting um, you know, companies like Ann Pete's uh, customers of ours, plus uh, other international bodies, uh, so that if anyone takes a, a meeting with us over Zoom, of course, a quick meeting, we'll make a donation on their behalf to these great causes uh, and to customers that are doing great things like Ann Pizza, which, uh, which are, you know, I loved seeing what some of the marketers are doing. It's, it's inspirational. Nice stuff. That's great. All right. So before we wrap up, what sort of actual advice, actionable advice, could you share with listeners that they can implement today to help them attract and retain more customers? Yeah. So uh, firstly, I'd say um, just to, to go back to this, the, the research we just commissioned, because I think there's, there's value here. Um, the UK, for example, said that 30, 34 4% of the UK that was a participant, UK audience that participated in the survey, and it was just over 30%, I think, for the US, um, basically said that they were only not loyal to a brand because they'd never been offered any incentive to be loyal. And if you look at that, it was a roughly a third of all respondents in all the major markets were saying that they weren't loyalty because there wasn't a loyalty program for them to engage with shows that a massive amount of money is being left on the table by, by marketers. The second piece that I would I'd really kind of um, think about is that, um, you know, we're big advocates. And I think this was also borne out in the, the research, which again is on the Cheetah Digital website. If you want to go to the resources page, you can download the report for free and see it all. But basically, people were asking for, Yes, they were asking for very flexible kind of tiers and the right rewards and points and all the rest of it, which are sort of more traditional things. They were asking for flexibility in these in the programs, uh, which I think is important. But they were also asking for more than that. They were asking for 
you know, surprise and delight mechanisms and, you know, contests and sweepstakes and challenges and stuff like that. And I, and I think what we've really got to sort of understand here is we've definitely moved into a new world where loyalty can be this main mechanism to control, if you like, or na- help consumers and brands navigate this long-term relationship and this value exchange for their data, for their engagement, and for their repeat uh, purchases. So, um, you know, thinking beyond just points for purchases and thinking about how to f- facilitate emotional loyalty with all of these other you know, in, in, in ways to uh, give people and reward people for points, whatever, for uh, interacting, engaging with you, and being advocates and sharing your social posts on social media stuff. All of that is very, very important. And then the, the last thing I would say is even after you've thought out about all of that, you've got to think about how do you actually implement it and make a success. And I'll give you an example of a customer of ours. So um, uh, Fleet, Fleet, Fleet Feet, if you're into running, you'll, you'll probably know them, have about 180 plus stores uh, across the, the US. And they actually introduced uh, a new um, uh, loyalty app and revamped uh, loyalty program which you know really took loyalty to the streets um, by incentivizing uh, running and they you know they set it up in the right way they had integration with Strava and Garmin uh, Garmin allowing you know members to earn points you know appropriately dubbed miles they truly are miles um, uh, and log them and all the rest of it they were, were totally embraced kind of the emotional loyalty side of things so um, you know they were uh, getting people to uh, reward them with miles for you know interacting on social media and sharing stuff and community engagement things like caption contests and surveys and trivia and all all the rest of it so uh, and the miles could be redeemed for the running trips and the engagement as well as you know things like race entrances and you know purchases right amongst other things so they'd set it all up in the right way but the loyalty program could have still failed if they hadn't built in the flexibility for local store marketing because at the end of the day the best way for them to connect with a running community is via the community and that means down to the local level so meaning that you need the local store marketers to be able to opt in or out of you know the corporate stuff to be able to do their own uh, activations and engagements and incentives etc and that was a key part to growing this program to over three million members uh, 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 nationwide but also for its success so i think there's there's two sides to this there's the implementation as well as the theory yeah i think you're spot on with that because uh in corporate you could have the greatest ideas but unless it gets down to the grassroots people that are interacting with the consumer it gets lost in the sauce so you almost 100%. have to incentivize and engage the employees down to the front lines to have them look at it as part of their you know modus operandi that they need to be doing on a regular basis for the good of the overall brand. It sounds like Fleet Feet has that sort of mentality when they think about that to empower their their licensees or franchisees or whoever is running the operations. Yeah, all great stuff. So listen, I want to wrap this up because I know the attention span of the average uh, listener of these podcasts is probably... uh, we're 15 minutes overdue, but a lot of good stuff I think we captured, Richard. I'm glad you were on. So if listeners want to get a hold of you for more information, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Richard.jones at uh, cheetahdigital.com or follow me on uh, Twitter um, at Old Striker. Uh, that's because I, uh, I am a very old football player still. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, I'll put it up in the show notes. I want to thank you for taking your time to share some customer loyalty insights with me. I thought it was great stuff. Thank you. Appreciate it being asked. Great. Uh, So I want to thank the loyal listeners for investing some of your valuable time with us. If you feel you've received value from the show, we would definitely appreciate a five-star review on your favorite podcast streaming service. If you think you know someone else who might value listening to this podcast, please do share. That's how we grow. To reference this and other Loyalty Minute episodes, please visit theloyaltyminute.com. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for your next edition of the Loyalty Minute.